I met my best friend Anne in 1985. And the Babysitter's Club kept her friendship alive. Then Emily was born in 1988. And she said, Thanks, Aunt Esme. These books are great. Now we're all grown up and we're living our dreams. As a writer and a scholar and an expert on teens. And we're gonna start again from the very first book because we're stuck. Welcome to Stuck in Stony Brook, a podcast about the Babysitter's Club. Today we're discussing Book 42, Jesse and the Dance School Phantom. I meant to Google Phantom before we started. I was like, maybe I don't know what a phantom is. Yeah, I just think of Phantom of the Opera, which I wish he was in this book, but... We didn't get that kind of phantom. Mm, that would be really weird. But does phantom actually mean, like in Phantom of the Opera, is it is it not a ghost that seems like a ghost? I think it's just an entity that is unknown and perhaps unknowable to an extent. Oh. Right? Like there's I think Esme's things that are now. happening that are unexplained. And there's a presence that we don't know. Yeah. According to Oxford, it's a phantom, a ghost is the first definition, and then a figment of the imagination. Um, and then it goes into like phantom bank accounts. Phantom seems a little lofty, a description for this. I would agree. Book. I but, mean, yes, I agree. Uh, do you all have your one sentence summaries ready? Uh, sure. Yes, I did write one down. Why don't you go first, Esme? <laughs> okay, I'll go first. Uh, mine is Jesse gets the lead again and another girl tries to off her while there's a pet show mm-hmm. mm, that's pretty accurate uh, I'm going to choose to focus on something else okay go ahead Anne I'm going to summarize this book by saying a member of the Pike family likes Lord of the Rings but we don't know which Pike it is this is not the first time we heard Frodo the hamster's name though it's not like it just came up in this book yeah, but we've never talked about who, could, who would be Lord of the Rings fan. I feel like it's the triplets, right? Fair enough. No? If we're, no, if no. we're going with the basic gender stereotypes that tend to exist in Stony Brook, I, I would, would just say like the demographic of people who were reading Lord of the Rings in Connecticut in 1991. Yeah. White boys, ages 10 yeah. to 14. Yeah. Okay. My one sentence summary is, do kids really want to win awards at a pet show that badly? very important emily i just like don't buy it (laughs) well that's because even as a child emily you were probably very aloof and we were just like i don't i don't care if i win yeah what's it what's a prize what's a prize who cares yeah right love me or don't doesn't matter to me i'm a well i would i would have wanted to win something so (laughs) okay well i don't know was i ever a kid i now i'm learning that I think my biggest lesson from this podcast is that maybe I was never a kid. <laughs> oh boy! I've always been an adolescent, maybe not in still. a normal way. <laughs> Wait, you guys, we should probably back up and tell you about the members of the podcast. <laughs> I'm Emily Crandall, a feminist scholar. I'm a total adolescent, and I like health food. <laughs> I'm Esme Schaller, an adolescent psychologist. I'm kind of bossy, but I have a big heart. I'm Annie Chikala, a freelance writer. I'm a mischievous pragmatist with a sweet tooth. If you want, if you want to learn more about us and how we know each other, check out our prologue episode. Also, rate and review us. It really helps people find the podcast. And if you have any questions, comments, or commentary about anything BSC related, drop us a line at stuckinstonybrook at gmail.com. Also, you can support us on our Patreon at patreon.com slash stuckinstonybrook. So do it. Thank you. <laughs> do it. Very nice. Very nice. And we have... Do it. Speaking of patrons, a BSC Big Five today for Lindsay, who is one of our patrons, a perk of supporting Woo-hoo. us. So again, as Anne so succinctly put it, do it. <laughs> do it. Do it. Um, okay, I'm going to read uh, Lindsay's responses to our, our BSC Big Five inquiry. So starting with the relationship to school, Lindsay says, I've always been quote unquote book smart, loved that movie, 
and did very well in school <laughs> through high school without really having to try. Took college classes at my junior and senior years and graduated as one of the valedictorians in my class. Ooh, big Janine vibes there. I guess Janine tries though. In college, I had to learn to study and work harder. I got my first B's, a couple C's, and gasp a D in organic chemistry. Ooh, managed to do well enough to get into medical school and graduated with my DO in 2017. I specialized in internal medicine, the nerdiest of medical specialties probably, finished my residency in 2020, and now work in the intensive care unit. So overall, I guess you could say I was fond of school since I spent about 11 years post high school in the learning environment. Yes. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Well, I feel like a loser right now. <laughs> well, you but should. But keep on going. Yeah. Ouch, um, Emily. Lindsay's <laughs> better than all of us, Anne. <laughs> in the leader versus follower category, definitely more of a follower in my younger years. I had a solid ride or die group of friends in middle and high school. Was never one to branch out and try to make new friends, though I could never really be considered shy. That changed a bit in college and beyond as I started applying for leadership positions uh, in my sorority, med school, and residency. I've definitely grown more confident in my leadership abilities as an adult. As you can imagine, my job is high intensity and can be stressful, but I usually maintain a level head and stay calm under pressure. Mm. Important Mallory signifier. Definitely. I also think that Mallory, like solid group of friends, not really super trying to branch out a bunch if you don't have to, also mm -hmm. strikes me as kind of Mallory-ish. Okay, in the fashion style choices category, Lindsay says, very tomboyish in elementary and middle school. Think of the cargo shorts that were popular in the early 2000s, or maybe they weren't ever popular, question <laughs> mark. Late to middle school, late middle to high school, I started paying more attention to my clothes and accessories, but was never super creative or outlandish with my style, sticking to a quote unquote preppy look. As I've gotten older, I enjoy shopping and styling my outfits when I'm not in scrubs, but still focus on comfort more than anything. I'm a fan of solid muted colors, fun scarves, simple jewelry, leggings, stretchy jeans, and boots. My white Converse are my go-to shoe and haven't been actually white in close to a decade. Have we talked about how wearing Converse is part of Esme's personality or no on the podcast? No, oh, have we? I don't know. Maybe not. That's Which is funny because that's probably the, the personality thing that is most part of my personality, <laughs> more, more so than, than the Swatch Watch. watch. Or, yeah. So you agree Converse are part of your personality? Definitely. definitely. Okay. okay. All right. Lindsay yeah. giving us strong Esme vibes. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So Lindsay got her period age 10 and a half, fifth grade. And then in the romantic history category, Lindsay says, serial monogamist. I had a longtime boyfriend in high school that lasted a little ways into college. Only dated a couple of people casually until I met my next long-term boyfriend sophomore year, who is now my husband. Hobbies. Reading. Always a book when growing up. Didn't read as much in college or med school, but I've started making it a priority in the last four to five years. I'm not super athletic. Exercise for health reasons, not because I'm good at it or particularly enjoy it. I do love watching sports though, especially football and gymnastics. Ooh, interesting combo. Okay. Oh man. Okay. So I'm not getting a ton of Christy other than the prioritizing comfort in looks. Well, and the converse, of course. Because early period, sure, sure. Um, but early period, serial monogamy, don't enjoy exercise. Those are all Christy minuses. Mm. And yeah. growing growing into leadership instead of starting out bossy. Mm -hmm. Who is the most academic among the babysitters? Mal and Stacy? Yeah. I mean, they all do well in school except Claudia. That's part of the whole they're good girls thing, right? We don't see anyone that like doesn't care about it at all. They all like are nervous if they don't do well at something, but it seems to come easiest to Mal and Stacy. I don't know. I'm 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 willing to, you know, argue that point, but that's where Do you wanna argue where... it? Do you wanna argue it? <laughs> that's just what came to my head first. Do you have a counterpoint or a counter offer? No, I think that seems right. So fashion wise, like uh Marianne-ish? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think so. It's like a step above Christy. Cares about it some, but mm -hmm. not a ton, and not you know definitely not Claudia or Stacy. Mm -hmm. Who but that that's a pretty early period for someone in their, you know, someone older than now. You know, periods have gotten older, but for an adult fan of our podcast, that's a pretty early period. So that's in the like Stacy Claudia realm. Mm -hmm. We'll go with Claudia. I'm trying to figure out which one of them would have gone to med school. You know, we've done their like where do we think they are now thing. And we've never been like, oh, so-and-so certainly went to med school and like now as a doctor. Yeah. Maybe it's I Jessie. Mean, yeah. If she doesn't pursue 
like ballet. Just because she's very disciplined and has a focus, I can see her That's completing true. med school. Mm-hmm. That's true. But I'm not seeing any like art or performance signifiers at all under hobbies, mm-hmm. which is leaning me away from Jesse or Claudia. Like the the bookworm reading stuff is solidly Marianne and Mallory too. Although I guess Jesse really loves reading too. Mm-hmm. Don't forget, she loves those horse books. Yeah, yeah, she sure does. Well, that's fair. Yeah, I could see. I could see. Je- I I think if one of them, if if any of them were going to be a doctor, I would lean Jesse or Stacy. Mm. Or maybe wild card Dawn. Mm. Why Dawn? I think she's. I could see her going into like public health, studying health disparities, or wanting to like close the. You know, like uh, Emily's friend Sarah, I feel like has some Dawn vibes, like close the infant mortality gap. And like, I could see Dawn being like an OBGYN and like super progressive. No, mm-hmm. Dawn's like on the beach doing Reiki or something. <laughs> oh, good. Damn. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. I mean, Sarah's also not much of a, not really a Dawn. Fair enough. So because Dawn isn't like Emily's friend Sarah, then <laughs> Dawn wouldn't be a doctor. I, that was who you used as an example. I know, I know, I know, I know. Fair enough. Fair you know enough. what? Um, <laughs> me get out of here. I said wild card. I think Jesse or Stacy are more likely. Okay. Hmm. All right. So are, we, like... are we seeing any Claudia? Just the early period. That's it. Yeah. If that's kind throw, of it. If you want to throw Claudia a bone and just be like, sure, you're like Claudia because you got your period early. <laughs> Yes, well, sure. everyone wants to be thrown a Claudia bone. We've discussed this many times. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not this thinking. I'm thinking like 5% Claudia. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Because okay. yeah, that's how much of getting your period is part of your personality. Exactly. 5%. Okay. What else is low? Christy is low? I don't, I'm not can... getting a lot of Christy vibes. I, but I also so. think low Dawn. So I think some Christy because of the emphasis on comfort. Mm-hmm. And not really paying attention at all in elementary and middle school. Very tomboyish is how she right. That's true, thing. and like love watching sports. Even yeah, even right. if even not, she can't do it. Loves watching them. Yeah, so like twenty. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. but then less Dawn. I think so. Like Dawn's Dawn? not a serial monogamist. I feel like ca- the girls describe Dawn as like California casual in style, but mm-hmm. I don't know that that's the same as necessarily prioritizing comfort. Mm-mm. No, it's definitely not. Okay. Yeah, I'm not really seeing any Dawn. Yeah. Honestly. Okay. Zero Dawn. Except for this weird theory that maybe Dawn went to med school. I said wild card. I don't <laughs> think it's Dawn. I think it's Stacy or Jesse. Yeah. Jeez. Okay. So highest Mal Mary. Who is the highest Mal? I think I'm getting a lot of Mal. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Okay. So how much Mal? Give me a number. Sixty nine. Yeah. <laughs> cute. Very cute. Okay. And then Marianne. You, 420. Fashion. <laughs> 42%. <laughs> fashion. I, I can't tell if you're just trying to think of <laughs> funny numbers or you actually think she's 42% Marianne. 42% Marianne. Both. both are true. 42.0. Okay. Four, okay. <laughs> and then Jesse and Stacy. I think the, the, we're thinking about that as like the focus and the the leadership like growing into the leadership positions mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. um and that's kind of both of them i also feel like both of them are naturally gifted in some areas where later in life they would like have to challenge themselves for the first time to work at something that formerly ah, came easy yes cuz you can yes. see jesse doing that right even in a little bit in this book right like something is distracting her and suddenly she's like okay this is not coming as easily to me as it ordinarily does i have to double down and work Mm -hmm. harder and like learn some new strategies for yeah and middle school math is not all of the math stacy right at some point you're gonna hit your edge right and maybe it's okay (laughs) yeah 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 for sure okay so do we think more jesse and stacy than marianne yes okay like 50 Uh uh-huh for both Mm mm-hmm Okay. Would you say yes to any number I said? I don't know. Try it. <laughs> Try a different number. Let's see. We got them all though. Okay. Never mind okay. then. <laughs> can, we right. check them? can we do all of them 69? No. We did that like two BSC Big Fives ago, you guys. Well, look, here's the thing. This is a very scientific process and our listeners know how vetted it is and real. 
Okay. So here's what I'm reading them back to you, and you can debate any of these that you want. So we have the most Mal, Lindsay, this is what you got 69, Jesse and Stacy at 50, Mal at 42.0. I thought that was um, Marianne. Oh, sorry, Marianne. Yeah, sorry. Christy, 20%, Claudia, 5% for that 10 year old period, and no Dawn at all because Dawn would not be a doctor. Yes. Okay. There you have it. Thanks so much for playing, Lindsay. <laughs> I feel like these are getting sillier. Um, I mean, that's the only you know. way they could possibly go. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so I have a few different psychology things, but uh, do you want to just talk about the overall structure slash plot of this book a little bit first? Yeah, we could do a little summary. So it's another mystery. Ooh. Yes, it's another. Ellen Miles again, who yeah, we just Ellen had Miles. two books ago. I know. If anyone knows anything about Ellen Miles and how we can contact her, you can write us at stuckinstonybrook at gmail.com. Oh my God. Is this going to be another episode where you just say our email address over and over again? (laughs) Yes. Great. Also, no one wrote us, so I'm a little offended. (laughs) We haven't aired that episode yet. (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, that makes me feel better, actually. You guys, I forgot I have something to do tonight. I got to (laughs) go. Oh, my God. Actually, that does make me feel better because I was like, oh, no one wrote us. Anyway, so Jesse is auditioning for Sleeping Beauty for the lead role of Aurora. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yep. And she gets it. And suddenly, all this shit starts happening to her. Her toe shoes go missing. Her clothes are cut up. She mm-hmm. slips on a wet spot on the floor. It's just, you know, like, who's doing this? So yeah. it's all Along about with lots of creepy notes, a lot of creepy notes. And in the meantime, there is a pet contest going on. This is one of this is probably Christie's greatest idea, I would say. <laughs> so far. Don't worry. I think a baby parade is coming. Oh, my God. <laughs> they can't all be bangers. So yeah, that's pretty much it, right? So what? Did, how did you guys like this book? Um... I want the mysteries to be more mysterious. Yeah. I'm Um, wondering, it's interesting that we got two in a row here. The mysteries start to get published in about four or five more books, this like separate mystery series. And so I wonder if we'll get fewer main series mysteries when that starts to happen. Mm -hmm. And then I also wonder if because it's explicitly a mystery and people are picking up this darker colored book to get a mystery, if they will be more mysterious. I think that they must have been because I loved those and I like dark shit. <laughs> Emily has I such like, good taste. I know. They must have I been I like great. how Emily's like, if childhood Emily liked these books, they must be good. No, they must, they be, must be darker fabulous. is what I'm saying. Not good. Oh, okay. Just like more mysterious, you know? Not like the pinnacle of child literature, you know? Well, Emily was never a child. Right. I don't so, know. So. I can't remember. <laughs> Yeah. So did you did you so did you like the process of elimination of trying to figure out which of her rivals it was? Did you you know, I sort of thought from the title that we might have thought that it was more supernatural at one point, but I don't think that's something that Jesse ever considers. Unlike no. if this was like a Dawn book. Yeah, it would have been cool if there was like, a, you know, some rumor about it being haunted and that it wasn't clearly from the beginning about jealousy. Right. Mm-hmm. Or, or envy. Mm-hmm. Envy. Envy. That's what I'm going to talk about today. That's um, nice. Because like right from the first moment that mysterious things are happening, it's like very clearly targeting Jesse for having received the lead. Right. Like there's no mm-hmm. there's no there's never a mystery around why someone's targeting her, at least from the reader's perspective. I think it yeah, would have been. It's interesting that she doesn't jump there, though, immediately. Yeah. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah, I mean, if you knew that a bunch of young people were envious that you received a part that they wanted and your shoes that you were certain were there went missing on the first day of rehearsal, you'd be like, somebody fucking stole my shoes because they're mad. I would assume so. Yeah. But yeah. And then someone's like, oh, I found them in your bag. It's like, no, you didn't, bitch. That's really upsetting to the organized Libra, Anne, because she knows knows that she knows if they were in her bag. I know where my fucking shoes are, okay? And if they're not in my bag, someone took them. Look how she's really upset, <laughs> listeners. Like nostrils flared. Yeah. Well, let's go over the suspects quickly. Great. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so there's Carrie, mm-hmm. who's fucking who's fucking old. She's old. Shit. She's like old the Roy shit. Kent of Madame Noelle's ballet class. <laughs> um, there's Katie. Katie Beth. Katie Beth. She of the deaf little sister. Yes. And um, Hillary, who has like the stage mom. Mm-hmm. So I guess the mystery was who who did it. It's a who done it. But mm-hmm. right. did you guys guess correctly? Or did you even try to guess? I didn't try to guess. Um, I'm not sure if I tried to guess. I didn't either. <laughs> I just <laughs> realized. Yeah. I was sort of like, huh, I wonder who it's going to be. But I didn't like, Same. I wasn't like, I know that it's whoever. Right. right. I didn't, I didn't think it was Carrie, I guess. She never seemed like an actual one. She gets the a, like feature role, right? Isn't mm-hmm. she the one that's the lilac fairy? Mm-hmm. Um. And she, Jesse was worried because she's like applying to dance schools and she needs things on her resume for mm-hmm. like her like older teenager time. Right. But, um, but she just seemed like sort of milk toast, like not a problem in the background. Mm-hmm. Like she, and, and Katie Beth, I thought it would be weird if it was Katie Beth after her like come around with her sister and being inspired by Matt and Jesse in Secret Language. But mm. I also, she was also being hella shady in this book. So I was like, yeah. maybe Katie Beth just has a problem. So I guess I, I guess I sort of guessed that it wasn't Carrie. And then Jesse was like, so sure it wasn't Lisa. I was like, mm, maybe it'll be Lisa. But mm. I wasn't like, I wasn't like, no, it's Hillary. So, but I didn't really try to guess. I mean, I guess if we're thinking about it and keeping with the conversations we're having around like good moms, bad moms, good girls, bad girls, mm-hmm. like we should have we should have guessed that it would be the one with this the bad mom hillary yeah yeah cuz she has a bad mom who is a ballet dancer herself and is like super micromanagey and pressury about hillary's dance career so she should be karmically punished by having her kid disobey yeah and and spoiler it was hillary <laughs> even though the fact that none of us thought to pick someone makes me think maybe it was a good book because we were just mm. so wrapped up in the book that we're like, didn't mm. even think mm-hmm. about it. We weren't like, ugh, it's obviously Hillary. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Although we, we really should, in terms of like how things are written in Babysitter's Club, it's often the person that is like new to the scene, you know, like two books ago it was Shauna Riverson. This is the first time we met her. Right. So this is the first time we met Hillary Morgan. That's a good point. That's pretty funny. Well, I think there was a bunch of psychology in this book. Um, so maybe I have a longer section than you two have today. Um, but one thing that I thought was really interesting was this envy piece that Emily mm-hmm. pointed out. So lots of times with, um, the words envy and jealousy, we use them kind of interchangeably in sort of vernacular, right? But they, at least in clinical psychology, they mean a couple, two different things. So the idea being that jealousy is about fear of losing your status in a relationship, and it's usually about people, whereas envy is about wanting something that someone else has. Mm. Sometimes that's a material thing, like a house or a car, um, and sometimes it's something like a role in a in a ballet, mm-hmm. right? And so I think Jessie is quite literally the envy of these other girls in her class, which is normal, right? That's, of course, they all want to dance, and they all would love to have this really important role of Princess Aurora. So that's not a surprise. But then we, so this is a a week where I'm going to give you like a actual skill that people can use to manage their own emotions. (laughs) So I'll be, this will be a little bit more clinical than just uh, developmental. But envy is, what do you both think is the evolutionary purpose of envy? Like, why do we have envy as humans? So it's a, it's an emotion that most people really don't like to feel. So what do you You think? You know what I think about the evolutionary explanations sure (laughs) and we wouldn't still have all these emotions if they didn't serve some function again not a not an advertisement for david bus (laughs) and what do you why why bother having envy what do you think some ideas about that would be like how could envy be effective and adaptive well i guess if you are envious of something someone else has maybe it could encourage you to work harder to get that yeah Mm. i think that's the theory capitalism right yeah but it's not always capitalism right so if (laughs) you can it's a little capitalism but in this like with this example right so jesse gets princess aurora and katie beth is like ah geez jesse told me that she practices at her bar in the mornings when we don't have rehearsal maybe i need to do that too 
right? Maybe I need to put in more time. So it may not actually be just capitalism. It can also be other things that you can do, other ways to work harder to get something else. Mm -hmm. But the, you know, the evolutionary theory is, you know, like there's a big rainstorm and your neighbor has a thatched roof on their cottage and you don't have a roof on your cottage and they stay dry and you're like, damn, maybe I should get a roof, right? Mm -hmm. So you, you build a roof. This is interesting because I am not a jealous or envious person, but mm -hmm. I am a person who can be competitive. Mm -hmm. And I, it, I'm like, oh, is my envy just turned into competition? Mm. <laughs> yeah, I think you know? that's often the case. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense because it's about being the best at something, right? And so you may not feel it like in your gut as envy that that person has that, but like you still want to be better. So that's the kind of the idea of where that drive comes from. I feel very like well-adjusted right now. Oh, good. <laughs> well, so <laughs> Emily's just making a what the hell face. So, but sometimes that gets in the way, right? And so we see that deeply in this book, right? Where it's messing with Jesse's relationships, even not just Hillary, but like Katie Beth is pretty snarky and like not so thrilled with Jesse because she wanted to be Princess Aurora. And then it messes with Hillary so much that it makes her write these like terrible notes in all caps with her like blood red calligraphy pen and makes her make Jesse slip on the floor. Um, thankfully, she is not the one who dropped the scenery on her, if we're to believe her, that that was a true accident, which I did call that. I predicted that in the book. I was like, oh, that's not going to be related to this because neither Anna Morton nor Ellen Miles would make like another young girl so um maladjusted that she tries to kill another one like mm. that's just not how the bsc works mm -hmm. i feel like the wet spot that never got explained and that's very dangerous yeah no i think the wet spot my i think the wet spot was hillary mm. um mm -hmm. she just wanted her to get hurt just badly enough that she couldn't be in the show mm -hmm. but not so badly that she would be hurt permanently very dangerous it's not messed good. up so when you don't, when you feel envious and you don't want to feel envious, there's actually something that you could do. So, is, it, is there like a word or an acronym type thing? Yeah. Like, oh, I knew it. I knew yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, I got a skill for you. So, basically, emotions an important thing to understand about all emotions before I tell you this skill is that emotions love themselves. So, the idea is kind of like an object in motion wants to stay in motion. If you're having an emotion, it wants to keep itself going. So, if you've ever been sad or depressed, your brain is like, just stay in bed, keep the curtains closed. It's fine because it wants to keep that depressed sensation going. Or if you're scared of something, your body's like, don't go there. Let's avoid it. Let's and it, it keeps you feeling anxious. Actually, it doesn't help reduce that anxiety. So basically, every emotion has an action urge associated with it, something that you want to do. And to reduce the emotion, you do what's called the opposite action. So that's my little phrase, Anne, is it opposite action. So the idea being you figure out what the emotion is telling you to do to keep itself going, and then you do the opposite. So what do you think are some of the action urges associated with envy? Like, what do you want to do when you feel really envious? What's your brain telling you to do? I don't know. I mean, I guess it's like talk shit. Yes, Anne, it's talk shit. So it's discounting the good things that other people may have done to deserve what they get. It's... Um, trying to belittle or sabotage them. It's um, thinking about how unfair it is that they mm. have the thing and you don't have the thing. Those are all things that keep envy around and actually help it grow. And we can see Hillary doing all of those things, right? She's literally trying to sabotage Jesse and like destroy her chance at this role. Mm -hmm. um, but it doesn't make her feel any better, we presume. Mm -hmm. So if that's your action urge, the opposite action is to inhibit any urges to sabotage the other person, try to destroy them in any way, shape or form. Count your blessings. So practicing gratitude is a really great antidote to feeling envious. Um, checking your facts, making sure that it actually your envy makes sense. So in the case of Hillary, she says toward the end, look, you actually care about this and it's clear that you love it and you were much better than me. So all of those things are reasons why it actually makes sense that Hillary didn't get the role. Yeah. Right. And as opposed to we were the exact same and Madame Noel picked Jesse for no reason. Right, right, right. 
So when you can actually see, okay, well, that makes sense that, you know, sometimes I, I, we, we've mentioned on this show before that we all live in very expensive real estate markets. Um, and sometimes when I'm envious of other people's homes, I'm like, look, I could have gone into finance or tech. Like I probably could have chosen that, mm -hmm. but I would be miserable for other reasons, even if I had that house. Mm -hmm. And so there, because of the system that we live in, there are not a bunch of reasons for me to have that house. Right. Like, and there are other things. And then I go into the counting my blessings, gratitude practice. Mm -hmm. You can also just like literally change your posture, like change how you're thinking about like, so my guess is when Hillary was thinking about Jesse getting the part, she was like scrunched over arms folded, like hunched down, like this isn't fair. This sucks. My mom's going to be mad at me. And just kind of having a more open posture and taking a deep breath and, and trying to think about the thing that makes you envious without sort of um, experiencing that anger at the same time can also make you feel less envious. Mm -hmm. So that's my strategy. Now you can all deal with envy that is causing you to try to kill your fellow ballet student. And you don't have to do that. You can just be grateful that you're even in the company in Swan Lake. I mean, Sleeping Beauty. Yikes. <laughs> Questions about opposite action. No, it's pretty straightforward. Like, yeah. Makes I sense. Like I'm pretty good at it. <laughs> I can't tell if that's sincere or a joke. <laughs> I'm laughing because Anne thinks she's pretty good at everything. Oh. Uh, so, <laughs> like, yeah. But it works with any emotion. So figure out what the emotion is that you want to change and then act the opposite of it. Mm. And that helps in the moment. Mm -hmm. The other thing I wanted to talk about was the pet show um, and uh, Jesse's great idea in this book. So as uh, Emily mentioned, all the kids in town are like real fired up about the pet show. The ones that have siblings and only one pet, like the Barretts are at each other's throats because Buddy and Susie both want to enter POW. The ones that don't have pets are really upset. And the ones that have like not as exciting a pet, like Becca Ramsey with her hamster Misty, are upset because they are going to enter and not get a prize. And so how does Jesse solve this? Oh, everyone gets a prize. Everyone gets a prize. Anne had a big thumbs down about that. What's your thumbs down, Anne? I just don't think that's necessary. I don't know. Like I didn't win a lot of things, and sometimes sometimes I won things. It's I don't. It didn't scar me. You went to the regional math competition, not knowing any math. I, I mean. know <laughs> it's true. Yeah, that seems like a scar. Yeah, but you know, I I don't think. Um, I think. Well, I'm sure you have some sort of data or research, but. I would think that always getting what you want or always being like, you get a prize is actually not that great for kids. Okay. Emily, what's your prediction? Yeah. It's good. It's good podcasting. That's good. <laughs> I didn't know that there was going to be a quiz discussion. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just meant like, what do you think about that idea? Like that it's, that it's good or like, do you have an opinion about it being good or bad for everybody to get a prize? I mean, I, I think it's like, for little kids, it's cute, right? Like it's a creative way to see the value, like different types of value in different ways of doing something. It's also like a pet show is a weird thing. Like what is the best pet? And they're small children. Like they're just, they just have whatever pet their parents let them have. Like they have, like whether or not they win, like there doesn't seem to be anything like inherently better about one pet over another. So I think in that context, like everyone getting a funny creative prize like makes sense to me it's like this cute way to mm -hmm. to to like recognize and and value like all the kids effort and and like the different mm -hmm. type of effort that they put into something but like mm -hmm. that's called i don't think everyone always mention. needs a prize but also like what are they even adjudicating like that there's kids judging other kids pets like it's not a real thing it's not like one of the, like, there's someone who's a clear, like, it's not like there's someone who's a better ballet dancer who's winning the the lead role. Like, those don't seem par like parallel examples of things where someone is winning something to me or mm -hmm. parallel cases anyway. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So we have this, yeah, we have this big cultural idea now, right? That was when we first, you know, we've been vilifying millennials for a long time now, but when we first started vilifying Emily's generation as we, I don't mean me, I mean, you know, American media. It was very much about 
participation trophies and ribbons and everybody gets a prize. If mm-hmm. you Google like everybody gets a prize or everybody gets a trophy, there's like all kinds of books and podcasts and essays. Like I found things on like a minister's website. I found that like about with people just sort of hypothesizing the deleterious effects of this on children and that that's how you get entitlement and all, all kinds of other judgmental terms. Um, I couldn't find any actual psychology research on this. <laughs> I think Emily's point is a great one, which is that things are context dependent, mm-hmm. right? And so looking at it as a behaviorist, I want to think about what is the the learning piece that is going to happen for a given child in a given situation, right? right? So for instance, with the pet show, I think there are no bad consequences to Jesse's idea. And I think it's a cute thing, right? Mm-hmm. Because for, for the exact reasons you said, like, uh, how are you going to compare, you know, Frodo, the hamster being dyed green with Myrtle, the turtle's shell with carrot, the schnauzer doing tricks, right? Like there's not like, yeah, it's, I was going to say it's apples and oranges, but it's turtles and schnauzers, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. like, it doesn't matter. And having each kid have a different little prize that's fun. And then they get to talk about that and then they have it on their wall and it's meaningless. It doesn't actually <laughs> do yeah. anything other than, you know, commemorate that they had a fun time at the Stony Brook pet show that the babysitters. Mm-hmm. Thought well, okay. I think that's, well, I, I agree with that, but I think all the kids were starting to get upset before the contest because they all wanted to win. Mm-hmm. So they were going into it thinking like, I need to win and I need to be the best, mm-hmm. which was causing them to be anxious. Mm-hmm. and having bad feelings about the contest but then awarding them with prizes does that somehow like validate how they were feeling before that's a great question i'm inclined not to think so because there still wasn't like a like because i think they had a different paradigm in their head for what it was going to mm-hmm. look like right they thought it was going to be you know pow is the best pet you know and like chewy is the second best pet Right. Um, and since since that wasn't the situation, I feel like it's a whole new, a whole new thing that they come away from. Mm-hmm. So then that that leaves the question of you know in cases like the ballet school, right? Like should they have tryouts where Madame Noel picks who she thinks is best able to serve the part, or should it be a rotating system? And however many months you've been dancing in Madame Noel's class. If it's your turn, you get to be the lead, you know, or same thing on like a competitive team sport. Should everyone get a chance to play forward on the soccer field? Should everybody get to pitch in a softball game? And I would say that the answer to that is no, once you get to, you know, middle school and beyond, Mm -hmm. because that's not how the world works. Right. And people get surprised. People do get surprised and shocked. Like if you think about your cumulative learning that's a problem. Whereas when everybody's at basically the same level and you're developing skills, that kind of strategy makes sense. Mm-hmm. But then if but you're, you I know, will if you're, say yeah. in real world, like situations, maybe not, I mean, maybe more so in my industry, it doesn't go by skill. No. No, it like, goes by <laughs> well, that's a, that's nepotism a and whether or not you right. have a penis. Yeah. Right. But we're talking about things that are actual contests, right? So, mm-hmm. like, I, you know, I'm but not. But this is I'm what I'm saying, though, in the first place. Like, all these contests are totally, like, there are some that are, di- like, directly skill based where you can clearly measure, like, who has more who skill the in the, score on the math. Test. But a lot of things that are contests or that people get awarded are totally fucking nonsense abstract things that are awarded on completely arbitrary bases like a lot of jobs actually (laughs) so like i don't know like all jobs yeah yes i think like all jobs i mean well maybe not a hundred percent like there are jobs where everyone takes a a similar test and it is literally based on like the the actions you will do on that job and that you could then take the test again or whatever Mm -hmm. but that's that's the exception not the rule Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, so yeah so anyway, mm. I just think it it was funny. I didn't, you know, look, I didn't spend 100 years of somebody knows of a psychology study looking at the deleterious effects of everybody getting a prize. Please send it along to me. I would like to see if it is good. And I did a few different searches and I really couldn't find any evidence for this like cultural idea that we keep repeating and repeating and repeating that that is dangerous for children. Mm-hmm. So I thought that that was interesting in and of itself. 
Yeah, I mean, that makes sense to me. I think we can use a little common sense of like, what's what's being taught? You know, what's what's what learning is coming out of it? Well, everyone gets a prize as socialism, you know, so it's bad. Mm -hmm. See, I thought you were going to say that earlier. (laughs) Well, I was thinking specifically about the context of children in this pet show. But like, yeah, you know, I mean, like everyone like that's the, the why I was saying that, like, what what are the criteria by which we're adjudicating who's deserving matters for what mm-hmm. we think, what we think the mal effects are of getting something you didn't deserve, right? Like spare, scare quotes abound in all these contexts, right? Like, you know, people are always like, no, socialism is bad because it makes people be lazy. But like, I mean, the, the line, the Marxist line is from each according to ability to each according to need. It's a, it's just like uh, the recognizing that we all can do different things and we all need different things. And that like the basic most simplest form of justice is that like no one needs something that they can't get, you know, or no one's in need of something that they can't have access to. Like Mm -hmm. it's a very bare minimum Mm -hmm. for justness, Mm -hmm. I think anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I like sports because you can't fake being good at sports. Well, you can be rich and have access to a lot of resources that help you get good at sports. That's true. But you, you can still have all that and be really shitty and you're just still bad. Mm-hmm. I think, you know. It's hard to stay that way if you get a lot of private coaching and put in your 10,000 hours. Mm-hmm. True. But I still think you still need a baseline of talent to do those things. I don't know. I work in a field, a creative field, and there is no measurement for creativity or what is good. Yeah. So any kind of like that person is good at throwing a javelin is like, right. well, look at that. It's very <laughs> clear cut. They throw it and it <laughs> hits it. Yeah. And it went yeah. far. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it went far. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. all right that's all my stuff Emily what did you what did you have in this book um not much there's a lot of just little weird things I mean we've talked already a little bit about how like Hillary is the bad girl because she's got a bad mom right her mom is exerting Mm -hmm. her mom is a dancer who gave up dancing to raise a family and therefore Mm -hmm. um it, it intensely pressures her daughter and then at the end Hillary has this moment where she's like, I've decided to quit dancing. It's not what I want for myself. It's what my mother has imposed mm-hmm. upon me. And it's just like really kind of heart-wrenching and and awful. And there's also some funny, like when the kids are all fighting about the pet show, there's like one chapter in particular, I think, where Christy's babysitting like for her siblings and like all the kids in her neighborhood are coming through and they're all like talking about who's going to rep whose pets. And like all the little kids are like married to one another and like getting divorced because there's like, well, if my pet's not yours, like, what's up with that? And I'm just like, oh, God, yeah, there's like community property. Yeah. And like weird, like, well, are we even married if we can't if I can't share your pet? Like, I was like, what is this a thing that kids like marry each other in that way? I, again, I don't remember being a child, apparently. So like, I don't know. But <laughs> but I think it's kind of it's revealing I- of that thing of like how pervasive the like cultural imperative to be married is and that that it's like part of children's play in that way and that and that like property is in some sense kind of a center of that play like not in so many words but I was like really struck by how um kind of pervasive the rhetoric around like the centrality of marriage but also the ways in which property features like shared property is kind of like a feature of marriage um I think that's interesting Mm -hmm. or that like Marriage is the vehicle through which we assess kind of ownership. Um, mm. And I was like, oh, these little kids are playing like that. It's kind of it's icky. Like they just wanted to enter a pet. <laughs> no, you're wrong. You just did this whole thing. <laughs> I'm just poking yeah. I'm just poking yeah. What do you think, Anne? <laughs> Anne's, about- like, Anne's like, is, if there's <laughs> little- a sport and that someone can demonstrate to me that they have talent, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. I'm still thinking about it. I'm like, hmm. Mm. Um, I don't know. I think kids, yeah, play make believe mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And they pretend to be like, you're the mommy and I'm the dad. Or they do with the dolls and mm-hmm. whatever. It's just, I mean, maybe yeah. it's just more that they are mimicking their parents, yeah. I guess, than anything else, I guess. Emily, what weird copy of the book do you have? Is that a hardcover? 
Yes, you keep sending me these on I know, whatever that on thing purpose. is. Let me what, hold it up. This is the what second is it? one. Okay. It's huge. I sent you a picture of it. It's hardcover. I know, but I look. It's bigger than my oh, head. <laughs> look how big the font is. It's like a textbook. There's like we'll have to post this on Instagram. Yeah. Wow. You could hide a candy bar in there. On the back, it says I, the best friends you'll ever have. Oh well, it says that on a bunch of them. Doesn't oh, it? I don't know. I guess it doesn't say that on this one. I clear. Maybe you did because you like the mysteries. One of us read this a lot, and I have no memory of this book at all. I don't so either. Maybe it was you. Oh, it's the, well, you don't remember anything from your childhood. I remember Mrs. Frizzle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is this supposed to be Dawn on the cover? Yeah, I was thinking. I don't know who that is. It's No, it's thought- Dawn because Dawn's the one. So the, this is the other thing that I found implausible about this book is that like the girls are all like, we'll go spy on your rehearsal and figure out the mystery. <laughs> and then yeah. Jesse doesn't ask her teacher and that they don't get caught. Dawn like snoops in the in their like dressing room while they're all rehearsing, which is why okay. I think that's Dawn on the cover. Right, mm-hmm. but this scene doesn't happen. No, that's right? not a scene from the book. I almost tried to do this. I was like, why can't, why can't oh, I? Oh, you tried to, and tried to zoom in on the actual Siri, enhance. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I guess it's also Dawn because she's in this like classic Dawn denim on denim fit. Yeah. Right? This is the same outfit from the cover of Dawn and the Impossible 3. Mm-hmm. At first, I thought it was someone else from the dance school when I started reading it. Um, but like clearly not. Her hair's not long enough. So. No. Never is. It's not long, long, long. Um, yeah, L-O-N-G. Yeah, anyway, that was kind of, I don't know, there's just a lot of like weird little gender things here and there in this book. Is that the real plot of the Sleeping Beauty ballet? Yeah. I think so, yeah. Interesting. I feel like it would have been a bigger deal that Jesse had to kiss some stranger boy in a, a like a different ballet mm-hmm. company on stage in front of all her friends. And I feel like that went weirdly unremarked upon. Yeah. I agree. But she's a professional. Yeah, but the other girls aren't. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. So you're saying not that Jesse would spend more time on it, but that afterwards Stacy and Claudia would be like, who was that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. This book could have had an entirely different plot, like Jesse's first kiss mm-hmm. or something. That would have been better. Yeah. Fair enough. Don't you think so? Mm-hmm. Ellen Miles. <laughs> it wasn't bad. I liked this one better than Middle School Mystery. I th- well, no, that had a lot of good Claudia Janine stuff in it, though. Yeah, I liked that book. All right. What about you, Anne? Um, well, I, first, Ellen Miles, I think that, well, we were talking before about how this book was 30 pages longer mm. than a normal Babysitter's Cup book. I attribute that to the many scenes of the pet contest that happened and all the details that went in there. I thought she portrayed and wrote Jesse very well, mm-hmm. but I thought she was kind of messy with the other characters mm. a little. There were parts where I was like, I don't think that's in character. Interesting. For instance, Thanks. let me see. It's when Claudia is making fun of that girl with what she wore to school. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Claudia wouldn't make someone for wearing, a, for wearing a weird outfit if she is also wearing funky outfits. Mm. I think Stacy would though. Didn't they say Stacy and Claude were talking about it? Well, let's see. Claudia starts it. Oh, okay. She said, Did you see that outfit Jennifer Cook had on today? I mean, she looked like a cross between Princess Di and Minnie Mouse. Mm. Also, weird obsession about Princess Di. This is the right? second Princess Di mentioned. <laughs> well, in that regard, I think you're right. That Claudia wouldn't have said that, right? Because she's the one who rocks her own Princess Di earrings. And I feel like well, I, I feel like if anything, she would have said it. The she just way. dressed up like Mrs. Frizzle. Yeah. <laughs> but she would. She, I mean, who's. I could picture her being like, did you see what she wore? Like, she looked like this super cool cross between Princess Di and Minnie Mouse, not as like a exactly. disparaging comment, yeah. but as like a, yeah. whoa, I loved that outfit comment. Right. Yeah. And then Stacy says, who does she think she is? Just because she wants some beauty pageants, all that makeup, it's too much. I was like, they would never say that. I think Stacy would think about how she came after uh, Ashley for her bell bottoms and stuff. Mm. That's true. True. I, I know she was jealous at the time, but still for her prairie core. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that Stacy can be pretty catty. Mm. Anyway, Princess Diane Minnie Mouse could be a cool look. Totally, and I agree yeah. with you. I think she she really we got a lot more Jesse in this book. Yeah. Um. Than we have in the recent super specials, and I think even in the most recent Jesse book. Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like 
they glossed over Marion and Logan breaking up. Super glossed. They're I still there friends. Follow up there. Yeah. yeah. They're I still good like, friends, though. I just feel like it's very because the last book, it just ended. Uh-huh. And it seemed like, you know, it was very dramatic. And now they're like, oh, they're still friends. Yeah. And Logan yeah. babysits for Squirt. Yeah. They all go to the show. Yeah. Right. Another thing I wanted to bring up that maybe you it made more sense to you guys it's in the very beginning of the book on page three when jesse is talking about being the only black ballerina mm-hmm. in her school and she talks about mary bramstead who's very robotic in her movement mm-hmm. um and then jesse says i don't think anyone could mistake me for a robot and not just because i'm not always in perfect form as far as I know, there aren't too many black robots running around. In fact, there are probably even fewer black robots than there are black ballerinas. Yeah, it's a weird way to be like, by the way, I'm black. <laughs> I was like, what is, I don't get it. <laughs> and I, I, it's too bad we're in this land where everything is Zoom now. I, I kind of want pre-pandemic where you had more conference calls that were just calls. And I want you, next time you're on a conference call with people that you haven't met yet, I want you to like somehow mention that you're Asian by saying no one would mistake me for a robot. Yeah. <laughs> there aren't that many Asian gonna... robots running around. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That wouldn't work very well though. Cause like almost all robots are Asians. I feel like that's true. Um, excuse me. <laughs> no, like what are you like, saying as me pop culture wise? Like oh, my husband literally has a case filled with Japanese mm. robots that he's built during the pandemic. I feel like, some defensiveness oh, coming on. Boy. <laughs> you know, as we, there are robots of all different colors. <laughs> Okay. You guys, um, I forgot about something I have to do. I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm busy that day. <laughs> uh, right no, now. but really. Yeah. So, so the thing is, she was saying that no one could mistake her for a robot because she's not, like, she has more, she's not perfect and her technique mm-hmm. isn't robotic. Mm-hmm. But then she just the segues into, there aren't too many black robots or black ballerinas. Does that make sense? No. It's just like okay. a like a attempt at a cutesy way to be like, by the way, I'm also black. Right. That's that probably would have just been better. I prefer the abrupt drop of mm-hmm. also I'm black. Yeah. Also I'm black. Also, there's one more thing you should know. Mallory's white and Jesse's black. Mm-hmm. And that's why they're different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then I also want to talk about how if they were able to wear anything they could in dance class. There would be so much neon on the place that it would look like Times Square. <laughs> so this was in the early 90s when neon was very big. And in fact, neon is having a comeback mm-hmm. at this very moment in 2021. It's very big. But Esme, do you recall wearing neon? Oh, so much. So much neon. Do you yes. remember a specific outfit you had? I well, I know my favorite color combination was like turquoise, magenta, and neon green, like together. Um, and I had a <laughs> lot of different things that were like that. I, I don't know that I had a, t- I think like we also had a lot of hot pink. Mm-hmm. I feel like I had some hot pink. What were those sunglasses? They were, they were like not actual Ray-Bans. Were they Ray-Ban knockoffs? They're just knockoffs. Like the, yeah, they were black in front and then the sides mm-hmm. were neon yep. and everybody had different colors. Mine mm-hmm. were hot pink. Yeah, I think I really mine were uh, green. Yeah. Mine were green. And I had like, um, we both had those like hot pink uh, Reeboks mm-hmm. with the like three, like the little astronaut looking high tops. Mm-hmm. Three things on so, the top. So, okay, you had this famous, Esme had a famous vest. Oh. Wasn't that fluorescent? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I forgot about this. I got it in Visalia with your mom <laughs> at the mall. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. And it was like light denim on the front and i think the back the back was solid color it might have been hot pink and then it had like different stuff on it and one of it was like a hot pink telephone with a curly q cord and the cord was like one of those um spiral ribbons so it was like 3d and then i'm trying to remember what else was on it there might have been like a record there were check checks on it checkerboard on it oh yeah was the back checkerboard maybe the back was checkerboard black and white checkerboard and um and then yeah i think there was like a record or a tape it was like that 80s 50s stuff mm-hmm. that there was at the time um and it yeah it was a lot of neon oh i forgot about that vest yeah oh rip vest i yeah. would love to see that again 
Anyway, that's what came to my mind when I read neon <laughs> in the book was your telephone vest. What about you? Did you have a favorite neon item of clothing? I mean, it wasn't really neon, but in the neon family was my, I, I had a hyper color shirt. Mm-hmm. that kind of changed colors that were kind of neon-y, fluorescent. Yeah. But when you think about it, what a thing to wear when you're prepubescent. Yeah. Hyper color, it's like, it's just like your boobs get changed colors, your yeah. armpits change color. Yeah. It's not, it's bad not really a good look. Yeah. I'm like, I'm confused. What? You don't know, do you know hyper color? No. Oh. It was so like hyper- heat sensitive clothing. And it changed, changed colors. Color when it got hot. What? Yeah, it's called hyper. It was it was hot, literally. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway. Oh. Anyway. Uh, moving into Claudia's candy. Uh, double dogs, Twinkies, mm-hmm. and three Musketeers. Very. Nice. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Um, what about Tally's? Uh, once, once again, we have the only other person of color in the BSC noting that Claudia is both exotic and has almond shaped eyes. Jesse tends to use both signifiers. Not sure why. Oh, wait, I forgot to bring my almonds to the podcast today. Oh, stop it. Can I okay. just, can I, I'll be right back. Okay. One sophisticated, no. one shy, one sensitive, and one health food. Yeah, no. <laughs> stop. Well, I brought some different nuts. Like, first, I just, this is a Brazil nut, but this is kind of, it is. Mm-mm. No. 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 Okay. Wrong shape. Cashew? No. I mean, what? That's not even, yeah. doesn't look like an eye. Pecan? And. <laughs> Okay, I do have an almond though. Listeners, this is really happening. I gotta say, of the nuts you brought, that is the closest. It's the only one that looks remotely (laughs) eye-shaped. Hang on. It dropped. Okay. Oh my god. Anyway. All right. She's gonna do you're gonna have to take a picture for Instagram and with you, Alan Graying it up with almonds in your eyes. But I will say that not all Asian eyes are almond-shaped, even though mine may be almond-shaped. Did you all have a weirdest line in this book? There were so many um, weird lines in this book. This is not one that I think would work for a title, but I really loved when uh, Jesse like catches Hillary and Hillary gives her her calligraphy pin that she's been using to write these like weird notes to Jesse, uh-huh. and then she says, "I won't be needing it anymore." Yeah. Like, yeah, I know. what? It was so cinematic. Like, did she buy that pen exclusively to be writing those notes? And now she's like, I'm done with this practice. Like, I'm done with this pen. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. It's very strange. So Um, Wait, I also, I forgot to bring up about how they kind of made a fat joke. Oh, I was going to talk about that too. There's a lot of fat shaming in that one scene where they're talking about how detectives always have like a a fat sidekick. Yeah. Claudia said, oh, yeah, well, if I'm Nancy Drew, who's Bess? We all laughed. Bess is Nancy Drew's plump sidekick, the one who's always eating. How come detectives always have a chubby friend, asked Mallory. There's one in the Hardy Boys, too. Did you notice that? And then they all laugh. Yeah. No. Yeah, well, so in defense of this conversation, those are facts from those series. So could that just be mocking those series? I don't remember what they say after that. I mean, that is, the, the, that is true. Yeah, I, but I think they all, they're laughing at the prospect that like one of them, like mm-hmm. that none of them oh, could. So yeah, wait. yeah, that one of them could be yeah. the chubby sidekick. Yeah, that's how so I read Claudia it. So Claudia laughed and said, "So Stace, you're gonna have to gain some weight," and stuck an elbow into Stacy's side. Yeah, mm-hmm. and we all cracked up. Not great. Not great. Um, what are some other lines? There were so many. The kids said so much weird line? shit. Yeah, mm-hmm. I my favorite. I wrote down my favorite line, which is too long for a title, but. And when Jesse's um, describing all the girls at the beginning, she's she does a little SAT analogy and says bean sprouts are to Dawn what ho hos are to Claudia. Yeah, which I really mm, liked. I liked that one. Too. That's pretty good, <laughs> but too too long. So I'm counting on one of you to have a a pithier one. Um, this isn't that weird, but I liked it when David Michael said mega dog. Yes. <laughs> It is kind of weird because he says it in the context of like being certain that sh- that Shannon's going to win the contest. Like, mm-hmm. it, like what does Mega like? Why does Mega Dog the thing that the the moniker <laughs> that delineates that? Yeah, that that would actually be a very appropriate episode title given pervasiveness of the of the pet show. Like how much space the pet show <laughs> took up, you know, in the book in general. That's fine with me. We can go I'm into it. Mega Dog. Does it have a hyphen or is it one word? It's a hyphen. Mm-hmm. Okay. Even better. What should we pizza toast to? Envy? I'm kidding. Opposite action. 
<laughs> I like that you're like mocking opposite action. It literally saves lives. I'm not cool. mocking it. I was um, <laughs> trying to pivot away from the the sarcastic wow. option to the one that was sincere. Fair enough. Okay. Sometimes it's hard to tell. Ugh. <laughs> Sorry, is that feedback that you've gotten in other contexts? No, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So opposite action is one option. I kind of like thinking about the conversation where Hillary quits dance oh. if she actually does. Oh, we haven't mentioned Stacy's tuxedo. I'd also like to Oh, let's do that. Stacy's tailor. Yeah, let's do that. She wears. Very okay. good. I'm Very into good. that. And yeah. a pizza Excellent. toast to Stacy's tuxedo. To Stacy's tuxedo. tuxedo. This episode of Stuck in Stony Brook is now adjourned. Thank you to Anna and Martin for everything. Stuck in Stony Brook is edited by Emily Crandall. Theme song written and recorded by Gary Schaller, performed by the band Kid Kid. You can follow us on Instagram at Stuck in Stony Brook or find us on our website, stuckinstonybrook.com. Need some books that we mentioned? Buy them from our bookshop and support both a local independent bookstore and your favorite series literature analysis podcast. Find us at bookshop.org slash shop slash stuckinstonybrook. Lastly, if you're feeling dibly generous and you want to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, that would be super helpful. You're the best friends a girl could ask for.